Yes, this is the old owl hotel. Hi, this is Creature. Pardon? Yes, I'd like one of your darkest, gloomiest, most haunted rooms. No, sir, I'm sorry. There's no availability. There's quite a mess we're dealing with. What? <sighs> Thanks anyways. Okay, bye now. Okay, everybody, this is episode 14, what we like to call the top of the Euro zombie sub-subgenre. We are going to talk about what movie, Carrie? The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. Yes, also known as Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, or in Italian... Non se deve profanare il sonno di morte. And I'm sure I butchered that. I wouldn't know. Um, in Spanish, it's no profanar el sueno de los muertos. Which at least I can say the de los muertos part. So, guys, last week we talked about the very mean-spirited VHS from a lot of the directors that uh, met each other over at Bloody Disgusting. And um, yes, we think that The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, by the way, Carrie, I have seen this listed as The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, but the poster says The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. If you look at our posters that we're about to talk about, one of them says at the. Okay, so we've got at and at the. Okay, so make up your minds, creators. Which is it? What's it going to be here? I like all probably the alternate markets. There's probably different markets. I like all the alternate titles. This is a mid '70s, smart as hell Euro zombie movie, Carrie. Before I move on, I have to note next week, Carrie. Did we already tell people that nope. I found out and nope. finally discovered <laughs> what the Predator surprise was? So next week in episode 15. We're going to talk talk about Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Van Damme for a small moment in the monster costume before that all went to hell. Yeah, Predator. So, Carrie, let the folks know what you're going to be putting me through next so, week. I'm going to be putting a mud mask on case, and there will be pictures. Get to the chopper. I want you. I thought it'd be very fitting since, you know, he rolls around in the mud. Me or Arnold? <laughs> well, you can if you want. Am I your little piggy? Um, no. I want you to get the plainest, most boring scent for yourself. And then I want you to get me like something that's like oh no, the walk amongst the lavender clouds or something. Oh, no, 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 no. It's going to be there's I have my eye on three different types. So Okay, so we will cover... Mud masks sense that there's no flavoring. The mud masks just smells. <laughs> no. Okay. It's all natural because I know you've sensed the skin. I, I am so about s- that. And I have sweet skin because yes. there's a running gag in our family. Not a gag, a running joke in our family <laughs> that all the bees, the honeybees, the carpenter bees, they're they're all attracted to you. There could be a group of twenty-seven people, and they will all swoon me. And mosquitoes love you too. Is swoom a word or is it swoop? (laughs) 
So, Carrie, let's talk a little bit about, before we move into Sandro Simeone's poster work here, let's talk a little bit. What's this beer that we're drinking? We've got our, I've got my old uh, Yellowstone mug. And uh, what is that? The Alaska mug? Yeah, the Den- yeah, the Alaska mug that your mom bought. Okay, yeah. yeah. Not neither of these places we've been to. Mm-mm. I would love to go to Alaska, especially. I mean, I want to go everywhere, but uh, and then we've got our local brewery, um, Sign of the Horse Brewery here in Snacktown, and we thought we got this. It's been sitting in the fridge for about a month and a half. We bought it right before our episode six Halloween three episode, right? Yeah. Drank some of it, got two cans of it. We thought we'd wait and bring it back. We looked at the episode guide and we saw that this was like uh, being in the zero. It's supposed to be in Manchester and it's mostly a lot of the countryside carry you see is in Spain. So this is a brown ale and we chose this one for this episode because um, it's, it's like an English brown ale. So of course we're quote unquote running around the countryside flying around like a maniac in our little mini cars and our motorcycles, getting into cars with strangers, by the way. Mm-hmm. And completely trusting them. Don't talk to strangers. You know, they'll only use you up and take you till the zombies eat you up. <laughs> so, Carrie, these four posters, out of the four, we've got two that are the English and the um, Spanish posters. Yeah. I want to talk about those two first because they're very similar. I mean, those are my favorites. Those are your favorites. Yeah. I actually really, out of all four, and I'm Italian, and you know, I really do dig the uniqueness of that black and yellow poster. Yeah. I like how the different faces kind of fade, you know, or built one on top of the other. But um, the the Hispanic poster um, is my favorite one. Uh, it's got it's the only one, by the way that has the director's name on the poster. And I like the granularity of this poster. There's a lot more little detail and graininess to it. There's a little more color too. There's a little bit more color instead of just like the straight up, what is that background color, by the way? I don't know, it's, it's like some it's kind like of purple. It's like a deep purple. Smoke on the water. <laughs> um, or sonic waves in the air. Uh, and it's got now the you're wave. Just grasping. It's, <laughs> I'm grasping at the sonic waves that are on this poster um yeah i love it the the black or excuse me the black and yellow italian one's probably my least favorite out of all these um it's still nice but realized yes for some reason i thought that was a web but in reality (laughs) this whole time you thought that that was a web for yeah this is a spooky movie where we're gonna put spiders and pumpkins and cobwebs i mean it does look like a web if it you does. Look at it. And you know, if you would have told me like animals started reanimating and there wasn't a reanimated spider, I'd be like, okay, that works. But no, that's a it, sound it's wave. The, yeah. That's the uh, agricultural machine experiment radiation. gone, the, the sonic radiation gone wrong. The last one that we'll talk about, the other English one, I really like, but it feels like, um, and, and I want to, I want to note something about these posters, by the way. Because I'm a little ticked, okay? Especially at this last one. It's got our leading man, and we'll talk about it later, and it's got the other leading guy. Where's our woman on this black and white poster? Yeah. And it feels like, it, and it's still fun, but it feels like it belongs in 1964, not 1974. 
That's all I have to say about the posters right now. The taglines carry. Um, I think you got some balls when you use a tagline that says one of the best zombie films ever made. And I do, uh, Jake brought up the fact, Carrie, that we have a film that's come after Night of the Living Dead, but this came out a few years before Dawn. Yeah. Um, this came out before some of the Fulci stuff. Yep. The next one, to avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Four times. Four times. Yeah, I was just going to say. With five bajillion ellipses to make you pause. Um, I I think the third, or excuse me, the fourth one here is my favorite. Do you want to read that one? Because I think that one stands out for me. The third or the fourth? The They tampered. Okay. Um. So the third one was, they tampered with nature. Now they must pay the price. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about the messaging in this movie later um the next one feels um like a little bit of a cop-out like you could take this tagline and apply it to a million different movies whatever's out there will wait (laughs) you know wait there's one character in this movie that that applies to yes it does and it's one of our zombies that we're going to nickname later yes these zombies are smart the smartest zombies we might ever see seriously guys they're evolved. Land of the Dead, you know, Romero's um, fourth one, touched on the zombies kind of evolving and getting smarter. Yeah. Uh-uh. uh-uh. This did it way, yes. way before in the mid-70s. Um, I like this next one. Your tearing flesh will scream for death. Um, I will scream for death. My flesh can't make noise. I mean, I guess it can make crunching and gurgling It can, noise. yeah, if you you know, the right way. Carrie, please read this last one. Cause this is, this is the most fun as you sip your brown ale. Mm-hmm. You need to sip that brown ale to prepare you for this tagline. Prepare to be scared. <laughs> I don't understand the next part at all. Prepared to be seduced. Maybe the, you know, the, is the sonic uh, waves going uh, to seduce me no, to do something bad? No, I think, I think we'll talk about that later. I have a theory about that. Prepare to be shocked. More gruesome than Ilsa. Ilsa, the <laughs> she-wolf of the SS. Why why would you mention another film? I I saw that, forgot about it. I had every intention. People, dear listener, Google Ilsa, the she-wolf of the SS. And Carrie, maybe while I'm talking a little bit, you can like Google that sucker. Um Guys, we're going to switch things up just a little bit. We're going to add some other sections here. We want to talk about physical media. We thought it would be important just to like give a little bit of info on what's out there um, in case you're interested in purchasing the um, Living Dead at, Ma- at the Manchester Morgue. Uh, there is a two-disc special edition and a regular Blu-ray. We'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Synapse Films. The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, three-disc limited edition steelbook. Um, You can go to Synapse Films' website, guys. They only made 6,000, so if you are a huge zombie fan, um, if you're a a Synapse Films uh, fan, I know they got a great website with a pretty neat collection. There is, this three-disc has a great booklet of information from the creators. This Wes guy, 
uh, if you go on the website, you'll see some beautiful artwork to go um, on the steelbook. Check them out. And uh, before Carrie gives me some information on the She-Wolf of the SS, I will note right now that it is currently free on Amazon Prime Video. Okay, guys. YouTube subscription, Roku channel, all right? It, it's all out there. Carrie, what do you have for me in terms of <laughs> the tagline that refers to, to Isla? Okay, she's not ready. No, I, so, I was ready. Um, you so, told me to hold on. <laughs> I want, just because I lost it for a second. What the hell, woman? Uh, listen. Okay, so this Ilsa, she woof of the SS. Is it Isla or Ilsa? Ilsa, because it's... Okay, I'm going to shut up and drink my beer so you can give me the DL, the so QT. So apparently she's an evil Nazi warden at a death camp that conducts medical experiments. Her goal is to prove women can withstand more pain and suffering than men and therefore should be allowed to fight on the front lines, is the premise. I, listen, they, they had it figured out, you know, what year is that? <laughs> did it? Did the wolf, wolf SS wolf? Nineteen seventy-five. Okay, the mid seventies. Who was the director of that? Uh, Don Edmonds. Okay, where there's some connection, there's some reason. Yeah. That they decided to mention them on the tagline. Anyways, guys, let's dive in now to the Manchester Morgue. This soundtrack is by Juliana, Juliana, Giuliano, and I should know this because Juliana is very. Um, common name in my family, my heritage from San Giuliano, Italy. Um, Sorghini. Uh, this movie comes before a lot of the favorite scores um, that we hear from our favorite movies featuring Carrie like Goblin, Fabio Frizzi. Oh, I enjoyed Fabio Frizzi <coughs> very much. Yeah, assault them, assault their eyes, and please their ears. That was the whole paraphrase in the Joe Bob um, had mentioned about Fulci and, and Fritzi and the approach to the soundtracks. Um, there are some interesting choices in this movie that still somewhat have like a psychedelic sound to them. And by the way, the director, Mr. Jorge Grau, you can hear the director moaning and wailing in some of the songs. So it's very unique that they actually added sound clip sound effects in the music itself. Yeah, they were ahead of their time. And yeah, even in the trailer, you heard, uh, you know, mixed in with the trailer music. So that was very neat. I thought that they did that. And not too many people did that, at least at that time. So again, guys, we're moving on to talk creators and cast. Um... And by the way, Carrie, this movie has a connection to a certain R-rated rom-com. Directed by Jorge Grau, she's so looking at me quizzically. Written by Juan Cobos, Sandro Contenenza, Marcelo Casia, Miguel Rubio. Produced by Manuel Perez, Edmondo Amati. Starring Christina Galbo. And I was mad at those posters except for one. Because they did not put her name down. And next to our boy, Ray Lovelock, she's the next most important character. If they, if she doesn't back over his bike, yeah, that's You don't it. have the story. Um, and Arthur Kennedy, who plays a really bigoted fascist cop. <laughs> um, cinematography. Ooh, is it important here? Francisco Sempere, 
edited by Domingo Garcia and Vincenzo Tomasi. We talked about the music a little bit already. This is distributed by the Hallmark Releasing Corporation. Okay, Ambassador Film Distributors. November 28th, 1974 was the release time. So can you imagine in the mid-70s if you are an American or the late 70s by the time this makes it over here? And it's like, <coughs> excuse me, it's like, oh, yeah, I heard about that one. Of course, they maybe they, they probably didn't hear about it. Can you imagine if this released like at Thanksgiving time in 1974? <laughs> uh, I mean, this could be like in Joe Bob's, uh, what is it, Dinners of Death? Yeah. Um, Jorge Grau. I want to focus on him, Carrie. Okay. Okay. He was a Roberto Rossellini fan. Okay. Studied at the Centro Sperimentale Film School in Rome. Um, spent some time as a playwright, radio script writer. Um I loved, when I researched Jorge Grau, I loved finding out that very much approached his work the same way as Rossellini. Um, he was about Grau, ambience, atmosphere, setting. All of his movies, there's a big focus in setting. Um, the atmosphere is thick in this one. The movie switches from countryside to contain spaces like the graveyard, crypt, hospital, the inn, gas station, etc., etc., Two other movies that come to mind, guys, if you're looking into the filmography of Jorge Grau and you just want to specifically talk about horror, um, we've got The Legend of Blood Castle and Bloodbath. And Carrie, I was reading about these and I've seen The Legend of Blood Castle only once. I've not watched Bloodbath. Guys, research the Barthory legend with Blood Castle. There's a whole backstory um, to where he got the inspiration for that movie. Bloodbath is a little more straightforward, taking place at a seaside resort where locals and guests are being killed. Hmm. Let me just say this is a little clue to those movies. You could argue that the legend of Blood Castle should have been called Bloodbath, and Bloodbath should have been called Blood Castle. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Okay. There is a lot of blood in Blood Castle. There's a lot of enjoying blood, and not in the way that we normally think, like vampires and such. <coughs> She's so confused right now. Blood bath is oh, all I'm going to emphasize, and which okay. is why I, I think it. those titles, uh, one of them, the other one, Blood Bath, is a uh, jolly film. Okay, yeah. jolly thriller. I think you'd like it. And and the Legend of Blood Castle, absolutely. Jorge Grau, very, in in my mind, underrated. Um, everybody talks about Fulci. He's got a neat little horror trilogy of sorts. Maybe if we watch his other films, we can give him an unofficial trilogy nickname like Fulci has the Gates of Hell trilogy. I think Jorge Grau needs an unofficial title for his three horror films here. Right. <clears throat> I can guarantee you there are some it. connecting threads. And again, Christina Galbo's Edna Simmons, Ray Lovelock as George Meaning, the long-haired hippie, Arthur Kennedy, the really threatening, aggressive, maybe even more troublesome than the zombies, Inspector. Definitely dangerous. Yeah, Arthur Kennedy, man. Settle down, Arthur Kennedy. Um, although, Masasso, who, uh, oh no, I know who I'm thinking of, Detective Sergeant Kinsey, mm -hmm. we've got... 
Which he may be the only one that survived it. That's about the end of the movie. Oh, good point. Giorgio Trestini, who is PC Craig, who is inside the crypt with them and is a, um, who is the actor's name? Oh, Bene- he's a Benicio del Toro lookalike. That's what I was calling <laughs> while we were rewatching this. Um, Roberto Posse is Benson. Jose Lafonte is Martin West. Uh, Janine Mestra as Katie West, um, our uh, heroine sister. We had uh, Gengar Gotti as Keith. Fernanda Helbeck as Guthrie Wilson. Um, a lot more. Uh, I'm going to just name drop a couple um, people like uh, Vito Soler as the naked man. That's how they have him listed. Um, oh, yeah. <coughs> okay. He, he's the one with the bandage on his head. Yes, and we will get to zombie nicknames later. A, a few words carry on Christina Galbo. Um, she was born in Spain, mostly performed as a horror heroine. Um, she's most famously known for What Have You Done to Solange? Um, this is about a teacher who's hesitant to come forward with an alibi as he's having an affair with one of the students who witnesses the murder at the school. He also had a part, um, excuse me, she had a part on Elvira's movie Macabre Show. Okay, so if you want to look up her episode, you can see more of Christina Galbo there. Ray Lovelock, our leading man. His father was a British soldier, so you're you're kind of wondering the mixtures of cultures within this movie. <clears throat> the Italian liberation tale is uh, as old as time. Met the mother there. That's where we get our long-locked motorcyclist from. Okay? He really began, Ray Lovelock, to to be noticed, not megastardom, um, with his movie The Violent Four, where he played a drifting hippie. Sounds familiar, right? Sort of, according sort of. according to our uh, detective, who falls under the command of three witches and queens of evil. Um, he actually, this is funny to note, speaking of music and soundtracks, he sang the theme song in Queens of Evil with a folky sound there. Um, and then he had another motor enthusiast character in the Giallo Autopsy, circa 1975. So just some notes about our uh, two stars of this movie. Um, I, I'm just, I fell in love with this movie. Jake told us about this a long time ago. Rewatched it. It really is skyrocketing up for me. Um, it's my favorite Euro zombie film. Uh, Arthur Kennedy had a career that spanned five decades from the 40s to the 90s, well, 1990, covering black and white crime, World War II, romantic comedies, and drama. One of his most notable roles was as Jackson in Lawrence of Arabia. He was in an episode of the Alfred Hitchcock Hours, which I thought you might like to know, since you're our resident Alfred Hitchcock expert. And the 70s came to a close. uh, He was in some exploitation films, like (laughs) The Cave of the Sharks. You know, the time when everyone wanted a piece of Jaws. Covert action, when spire Nazi hunting films were popular. Films like Three Days of the Condor, The Marathon Man, were at the top of my mind when I was researching Arthur Kennedy. I've got to say one thing about Arthur Kennedy's filmography. Not too many people can say that they played in another movie that wanted to be like Mystic Pizza and <clears throat> be in said movie with someone from Mystic Pizza. Vincent D'Onofrio in 89 Signs of Life that feature Bo Bridges and Will Patton. Okay, so we've got the living dead at Manchester Morgue, Vincent D'Onofrio, Mystic Pizza, and 89 Signs of Life, Arthur Kennedy Connection. You're welcome for that, Gary. 
Thank you. I love Miss Pizza. <clears throat> Let's move on to some of the fun things, Carrie, we noticed about this film. Um, so this movie opens up, and <clears throat> I just want to say, I'm going out of order a little bit, whenever she runs over his bike, she backs up on it, it's like, darling... Uh, the guy, our leading man's like, fuck you for reversing over my motorcycle, but take me where I need to go. And oh yeah, I'm driving your car, stranger. Um, Carrie, I know you had some thoughts yeah. about that. Yeah, she's trusting him without hesitation and she's thanking him. <laughs> she's like, you'll be doing me a favor. And it's like, haven't you ever heard about stranger danger? And it's like, you know, she trusts him so much that she, he tells her, you can go to sleep. And I'll drive. Don't talk to strangers. A zombie's gonna eat you up. <laughs> I'm just on a Springfield you kick. You are. Um, oh, gosh. I almost broke out in the song again. So I also want to know, we've got a certain zombie that we're going to give a nickname to later. The There's that zombie attack when our main heroine's sister, the, her, the heroine's heroin addict yes. <laughs> sister goes running off to see what her husband's up to and he's out there taking pictures which was he taking pictures of her sister uh or I he think was like nature pictures i never really put two and two together there i think it's a combination of two i think he likes to take pictures of her in the stream okay and i think that there's a uh, yeah yeah you know there's what? an aspect if I were ever to make a zombie film, it will have streams. That's what this movie taught me. Um, and not streams of consciousness or streams of thought. Just make sure there's streams in it. There's a lot of streams in this Manchester morgue. Um, so, yeah, the, the camera flash is going off whenever she's being attacked. Okay. Well, her, her husband's being attacked. She's being attacked <clears throat> and her you. husband's being attacked too. Thank you. Uh, that's why I married you. You're here it's to correct me about horror films. Excuse me? <laughs> He's double teaming them. Wait a second. What are we talking about here? <clears throat> I need to go back and watch this thing. I missed something. <clears throat> okay. Here's a fun moment that really could have gone very uh, the um, hard to watch route. And it didn't. Mm -hmm. The aggressive babies in Dr. Duffield's nursery was done actually very tastefully. But they went there. They, they went there. Okay. Um, our man, George Ray Lovelock. He's like, oh, what's going on with them? And I like how there's like just just a little bit of blood on the baby's fingers that they put on there. And he keeps sedating the baby. They keep sedating the baby. And he's like, oh, oh, he nipped my finger. What's the matter with him? He's psycho. They're showing psychopathic <laughs> tendencies, Dr. Duffield says. Carrie, uh, lead us off um, with favorite character. Um, you know, we're... We're three minutes into this, Carrie. What's the first thing that you noticed? So I, I, interesting enough, I noticed a guy is on a sidewalk adjusting a mask. Oh, so you're giving us bonus characters here. Okay. I see what you're doing. Yeah. I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Uh, also, <coughs> there's a female flasher that jumps right in front of our leading man's motorcycle and nobody pays attention to her or flinches or moves or like acknowledges it. I was, I'm sitting here like, I, what's for, the point? I forgot about that. And then I like went all animal from up at woman, woman. But it's like, really, what, what was the point? Did, did the director 
want that? Did they like tell her to do that? She was just like an extra. Did she like, lose a bet? Did she lose a bet? Because that's what it did seemed she, like. Was she walking around Piccadilly flashing people with Jorge I was like, yes, get, grab her because we don't have enough breasts in this. It actually was like full frontal, wasn't it? For oh, the most it part. was entire full frontal. Okay. Yeah, yeah baby. Flapping in the wind. <laughs> At least George wasn't flapping in the wind. That would have been different. Um, but yeah, random streaker. Carrie, what was the general message that you picked so, up at the start of this film? I, I know we're getting note, off of characters. To note, but. going back, remember I talked about the guy adjusting his mask. You also have our guy, our leading guy, on the motorcycle that has his scarf kind of like tied around his, his mouth. And, you know, that could be so, okay, bugs don't get in his mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no, you find out as soon as he gets to the countryside, he takes his scarf down. So there's some sort of messaging about pollution. Okay. You know, know, you're cheating in the favorite character section, Carrie, but I do appreciate you giving us the message of this movie. Yeah. Um, She's like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to get my thing in. I know what I'm talking about. Um, No, you're right. Like the noise pollution, he takes that deep breath whenever he leaves the city, takes the mask off. I love that. There, There is... I mean, we had the social messaging. You know what this is? I, I wish that there was a conversation between Jorge Grau and Romero. Mm-hmm. Because Romero did the social messaging at the end of the Night of the Living Dead. And holy shit. Oh, that was, that had to have that hit was... hard. Um, and, of course, Romero continued it with Dawn. I don't feel too much of a social message going on with Day of the Dead. <clears throat> That's a That, that feels like it went... Um, to just be movie territory. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, um, Carrie, what about your favorite character? I, Cause I know you've got a lot of them here. Um, who are you going to go with? It, it's, it really, it has to be our leading lady. I mean, she's just, you know, in a way, yeah, Edna, Edna, she is in a way, badass in a way, not in a way she's, you know, helpless at times but then she does fight off and she's trying to get there for her sister and save her sister um she cares yeah i I like that she was a mix of um that they didn't just strap her down to be like you know the back in the day they were just the women would faint the moment anything would get difficult and i mean by the end of this movie she's got like bags under her eyes she's holding her own she's holding her own okay but i mean that was like I thought one of the more realistic portrayals. And you know what? Um, our leading lady in Dawn of the Dead was a good mix, just like our leading lady here, because yeah. you know, she was pregnant, um, dealing with something personal and was vulnerable, but also strong as hell, especially as the movie got on. Um, look, you can't it doesn't matter your sex. You can't fight off zombies alone. You need help. Okay, this is a group. Safety in numbers. This is a group project here. Um, I'm going to go with Arthur Kennedy. And I don't know, maybe that'll tick somebody off. But not only are characters, I mean, this guy, it makes you hate him. And that's why I love the character so much. Contending with the dead, but with law enforcement who want to put the blame for all the deaths happening on them. They don't, they're very clueless about the zombies until the very, very end. He wasn't really doing his job. (laughs) 
He was judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah. And I think Jake's going to have some things to say about that later. I know one of his favorite quotes is by um, Arthur Kennedy's character. Um, You know, he's the inspector with an Irish temper and fascist flair, assuming that all people with long hair, leather jackets must be despicable and satanic at the same time. I I love when um, our character, George, he's like, oh, don't you know, Satan's all the rage. And I think that that this is around this time is the beginning of the satanic panic. Um, and well, real, no, really with Manson, probably about six, five, six years earlier. Um, so I want to, again, give the honorable mention to PC Craig played by Giorgio Tristini. Um, I think he would have, again, this is the Benicio del Toro lookalike <laughs> cop who he, I think he would have made a great survivor, um, if he just lasted like another 10 or 15 minutes, like I actually would have liked to have he, seen him at the hospital. He at was the, selfless at end, though. Or the morgue. I mean, he was selfless. Yes. And we all know if you truly are selfless, you're really you not going to last you don't in zombie movies. No, it's like, you got to look out for your own. Um, okay guys, let's move on to nicknames of the zombies of Manchester morgue. Carrie, I'm going to let you kick this off because this first one we're going to list is probably the most important one, the important yeah. zombie and most um, critical to moving along the story. Now, okay. So I- I'm going to say a different variation. I'll give you a variation and I'm going to say my variation. <laughs> so she doesn't like my nickname, folks. Apparently, she had another one she didn't tell me about. Or I didn't take good notes. I'm sorry. Stream suicide stalker zombie or alpha zombie. I'm just going to straight up call him suicide stalker zombie. I think the stream is important though, because that's where they found him, right? That's where he came out of. He's patient zero for the most part, you can say. Yeah, I think you could say that patient zero or alpha zombie. Like he's the one that like. Well, we'll get into this The godfather later. of zombie. The godfather. Come here, kiss my ring and eat some brains. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this next one is my favorite. Um, so our character, the sister, uh, Katie, um, her husband that likes taking naked pictures. <laughs> okay. I'm calling him. Sam the Eagle Muppet lookalike zombie because of his dominant brow and bushy eyebrows and his general grimacing stern looks that he gives. I'll call him creepy zombie. Creepy zombie. Okay. And guys, we're we're naming these because we're from the Pittsburgh area, Western Pennsylvania. And um, you got to give your zombies nicknames. You know, they've got a, a wardrobe look or a certain kill about them or the way their flesh is rotting off their face or body. And we couldn't go without, just like in the Fulci zombie, there's the, there's the, the shark fighting zombie. That was my favorite part. Okay. Um, so Manchester Morgue needs some nicknames for their zombies. Um, the next one, I'm going with the Gerber baby zombie, the bit George's finger, the the psychopathic tendency zombie baby. Um, Carrie, let's talk about the scene. That was they... a very large baby, by the way. I, I didn't take its measurements. <laughs> um, it looked like it was like three months or more. 
and not a newborn. You mean they didn't have an actress waiting outside and just popped right out? <laughs> it, pro- it probably was more like three to six months old in retrospect. The Somebody go down that rabbit hole and find out about the age of the baby. Well, now it's like this this baby's like what, uh, you know, 60 years old basically or something. 1975. Probably. Yeah, roughly. 50, 60. Yeah. Um, moving on from the Gerber baby zombie. If you're the Gerber baby, let us know. If you were the baby zombie with the psychopathic tendencies who had blood wiped all over your little baby body <laughs> for effect, let us know. Crypt coffin zombie tenants starting around the 50 minute mark. This is an extremely important pivoting moment in this film where things take a turn for the worst for our characters. These zombies are, Carrie, the packed nose zombie. Yeah, why was his nose packed? I don't know. There's got to be a reason for that. There's got to be like a grave, coffin, crypt reason for the packed nose. Okay. Was it, did it have to do with him like embalming gone wrong? Doesn't even look like any of these people were embalmed. We've no. got, you know, in The Simpsons, there's always that moment where the crazy cat lady comes flying out. Yeah. That, there was the lady with the big cow. Like, I called her crazy cat lady zombie. Carrie, I'm going to let you have the honors. Oh, yes. Of the next guy. Because yes. he's he might actually, if you were to take the zombies and put a, you know, like on Dawn of the Dead, they feature the one zombie's head with the the sun or whatever in the background. This guy would probably be the prominent zombie, like on yeah. the physical media art. Yes, he and would. that is the head wrap zombie. Head wrap zombie and who's he, already had the autopsy and he's yes. been cut open, and he looks like he's wearing a diaper. Yes. Um, moving right along, Carrie. Who's our Who's our next out of the uh, crypt zombies? Old man entrails zombie. Oh, I'm sorry. We've moved on from the crypt to the morgue. Yes. Old man entrails. <laughs> Well, you can come up to my cabin and visit me. My name's Old Man Entrails. And uh, then... Oh, yes. Yeah. Spoilers, guys. Yes. Spoilers. Big spoilers. Georgie. It's not over, zombie. <laughs> Georgie. I like Georgie, how we went from... Porgie. Oh, my God. Don't you dare do that yacht, Roxanne. Put in pie, kiss the girls, and make them cry. Um. Wow. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I am really sorry. Um... Yeah, it's not over. It's not over for Arthur Kennedy's Inspector character. Can I just say that these zombies, all of them in general, are obsessed. They are obsessive zombies. So. It's like when they catch a scent that they like, they won't stop. A note about the zombies, guys. These are extremely intelligent zombies who are not driven just for food i mean they are that is the ultimate drive but they have reasoning skills yes and they have coordination and they use motor skills and they have teamwork yes abilities okay the there is thought there is a lot of thought still going on in the cerebellum of these zombies there's a lot left over these are these might be the smartest zombies that I've seen the most difficult to defeat. We've got head wrap zombie who uses an ax 
Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got them. Teamwork, the the crypt team zombie, all three of them. Nose pack cat lady, uh, nose nose pack nose packed man, packed man. <laughs> you know the three guys. Yes, they use the tombstone as a battering ram. Yeah, and not just that. <coughs> you have the initial zombie, the alpha zombie, as you like to call him. Oh my he gosh. locked them in the tomb. He, he closed the door on them. He locked them in, and he's following them from place to place throughout this film, and won't let them go. Guys, this is like, these are the zombies that you don't want to face in the zombie apocalypse. And he exits the other end. This this is, the more I think about this, these are the, one of the creepiest zombies out there. It, I mean, I, I would rather face Romero zombies or the Walking Dead zombies than Jorge Graz Manchester Morgue zombies. No doubt. No doubt at all. Moving right along. Speaking of special effects. Mm -hmm. Um, Special effects by Gianetto De Rossi. We all know who that is. His effects experience includes movies like Waterloo and Chino. And, you know, Chino's got, I got to mention it because it's got Charles Bronson in it, okay? Interesting to note some films that are famous in pop culture that had special effects by Gianetto De Rossi. Conan the Destroyer, Carrie. Oh, yeah. King Kong Lives, which is the lesser of the 70s King Kong movie. Or excuse me, that one's an 80s one. I love the the one with Jeff Bridges. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, Rambo 3. That's such a such an eclectic mix. Um, more famously, he did effects for Once Upon a Time in the West. But really, Carrie, for fellow horror hounds and mutants, we know him for his work on Fulci Zombie, Fulci's the Beyond and Fulci's the House by the Cemetery. That makes sense. So, Carrie, what was your favorite of death? Uh, favorite of death. What was your favorite death from all of our characters? If you look back on these characters, what was your favorite death moment? Um, it it has to be Katie West, the sister, yeah. and it happens off screen. However, the next scene that you see her in is a very important scene. I mean, she comes in and you have the sister who thinks it's just her sister. Um, Edna just thinks it's Katie. And so, then next thing you know, Katie just grabs a syringe in the room and then she just relentlessly goes and just gets all stabby with the syringe. And her eyes are so bugged out too. I mean, it's just, it was brutal. It was like a, a definitely a bait and switch. So I'm going to go, Carrie, with um, Giorgio Trostini's character, PC Craig, when um, he gets ripped to shreds by our crypt zombie family. Um, that's my favorite death out of all of them. And then they're like, they're like around him, eating little pieces here and there. It's not like in the Romero Day of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead where they get ripped apart and there's just guts pouring out of everywhere. It's actually fairly restrained for somebody being ripped open and them diving in. And it's like then, then our stalker, our alpha zombie, he's going in for seconds. He's like, mm, let me get another bite. And he just very understatedly goes in there and takes another little nipple. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna throw out there. Yeah. You head, wrap, head wrap zombies, axe to the head of Dr. Duffield. The intelligence and coordination for head wrap zombie to do that. 
um, is pretty amazing. It's funny, like my funniest look is actually Sam the Eagle zombie because Martin. just because of his look. What's that? Martin. Martin. Just because just because of his look, but it, he doesn't necessarily have a a memorable kill for me. Yeah. He's just kind of there along with the others. Obviously, part of the group, dude. Stalker and head wrap. Yeah, they the, stand out. They're those. Oh the my god, that dudes. scene in the morgue where they're attacking the doctor, and and they're just the three of them are in there just munching and having a good old time, and they're just really digging <laughs> What's up, guys? in. Guys, hey, want to come along and join us? I have to say, the most brutal kill, though, the most brutal kill is the operator oh thank you for bringing that up that, that because was if we missed brutal. that i was going to be pissed at myself i mean they first go in and they at the same time one of them rips her boob off and then the other one just i mean he rips out her entrails basically yeah and um, at the same time Carrie, and you know what this all happens when they get to the morgue, this is like the last 10 minutes of the film. Mm -hmm. The last 10 minutes of this film are intense. Yes, it and, is. And I'm nitpicking. I wish we would have gotten like five or 10 more minutes at the morgue. And then you have our lead because, guy is trying to make it to the morgue. Yeah. I mean, Janine Mestres, Katie West, she's converted off screen. She grabs the syringe. There's like this relentlessness intensity about her. Yeah, her I, eyes are yeah. so bugged out. You I, thought she yeah. was bugged out as a heroin yeah, addict. Yeah, I talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just it. You're it's going funny. Back to it, yeah. It's funny how off-screen deaths can still have a lot of effect, um, but the boob. That yeah. And and it it's a fairly. It's the entire boob. Like it's just. It's not and just ripped. like nipple. It's like they go from the under boob up. up. It, and across yeah, and from the profile. Can you imagine that pain? I mean, you can't imagine, but I can imagine the pain. I don't want any part of me ripped off, but especially something like anywhere near my nip region. <laughs> Let's move on, guys. The favorite dialogue slash quote. Um, I'm going to go <laughs> with the inspector, my favorite character here, <laughs> where <laughs> he's saying to Craig, the Benicio del Toro look like cop. He says in his thick old man Irish accent. To Kinsey. Um, he says that to Kinsey? Yeah. No, see, I thought it was Craig. My bad. So uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, well, anyways, the quote, the quote is, ah, button up, you're wearing a uniform, not a pair of pajamas. <laughs> That's my favorite one because yeah. it's like, okay, okay, is that like a saying that people used to say? But, hey, make sure all of your buttons up because... If they're not, like, look, Carrie, I have my button up is completely open. Does that mean it looks like I'm wearing pajamas? I think the meaning behind it is you look too casual. You look like you're too comfortable. You're not supposed to be comfortable. You're supposed to be on the job. Hey, that's what fascists do. You need to have that Hitler youth uniform buttoned all the ways up, Buster Brown. <laughs> um, Carrie, what about you? I obviously would not survive. Carrie, what about you? Because I know we both kind of chuckled at Dr. Duffield. Yes. He, he very much... This movie, you made this point, and I'm stealing it from you. All these characters, this feels like a Hammer film. It does. In a lot of ways. But there are certain characters that feel like they could be in a lot of different horror films, or, or excuse me, Hammer films. And Dr. Duffield is one of them. He's so quirky. I, I, I honestly feel like he could all, you know, be in a Doctor Who 
film and stuff like that. Like So what you had a favorite quote yeah. from him. So he was talking about um, the coffins and about how basically be, the only transport is far away mm-hmm. in Manchester and from where they are actually located. It's like a 45-minute drive. And so the corpses won't last unless they are kind of like refrigerated in this like portable yeah. refrigeration unit. He's a very important character, actually. Yes. And so he said, he's talking about, you know, the process. And he goes, how about it, young man? Shall I make a reservation for you? <laughs> and George just looks at him. Yep. Georgie. <laughs> Pudding pie looks at him. Um, guys, again, I'm just going to note the uniqueness of these zombies. This cannot be said enough. They're just not shuffling along, barely getting there, driven by the hippothalamus. And Carrie's looking at me right now like, why are we talking hypothalamus? Why are we talking about brain matter? Because it's a zombie film, Carrie. We're not in The Walking Dead where they were at the CDC. Um, anyways, I'm going to ignore you and talk more about brain science. Jorge Growl and Gianetta de Rossi's Manchester Morgue Zombies make good use of their cerebellum and prefrontal cortex. Remember that, folks. Stalker Zombie has tracking and decision-making skills. He used reasoning to stalk them to follow them. He is surveying the others in the crypt. He traps them. Yeah, he uses teamwork to get the gravestone and use it as a battering ram. Remember that. Okay, cerebellum, what did we learn today? And prefrontal cortex. Okay, this is not just hypothalamus zombies. They're not driven by their id. (sighs) See, you've been learning. Um, Carrie... My rating for this film, guys, this is a four out of five flamethrowers. This is, this is, I'm just going to say this, my favorite zombie film not done by George Romero. This is my fourth favorite zombie film ever, and I say that with no hesitation. This is more of my type of zombie film. I actually would rewatch this more than Fulci Zombie. It's more atmospheric. The setting is more my type. The contained settings, the characters, you actually get to know pretty good bit along the way. Even some of the side characters. We've got now semi-officially named zombies, Carrie. We might be the first one to name the Manchester Morgue zombies. I don't know. At least in our minds. In our minds, yeah. <laughs> Carrie, what's your how many how many flamethrowers are you giving um, the living dead at the Manchester Morgue? Or at Manchester, Manchester Morgue? Or, or um, let sleeping corpses no, lie. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm giving this a four out of five flamethrowers. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie from start to finish. Uh, it's a very dark ending. You know, no one makes it out alive. The characters have depth. Uh, they're flawed, but they have depth. And the storyline with the radiation, you know, but it's a twist on the radiation. Yeah, we didn't really talk about this. Isn't that. like some Romero explosion in space that no. causes them to come back to life. We, we didn't even talk talk about the, how the radiation, the agricultural yes. machine, and again to your earlier message about um, this is about pollution. This yes. movie has a social messaging about pollution and, and not, nature. They showed the nuclear power plant towers. Mm-hmm. They they showed nature. How about they featured the owl even? Yeah. Um, him taking off his mask and taking a deep breath once he gets out of the city. Yeah. Sonic radiation, noise pollution, the co- the comments about 
why do you why do you have to use any kind of pesticides or anything? He's like, George character says to the scientist. You should just let nature take its course. Yeah. Look what happens when you mess with nature, guys. Yeah. You get an axe to the head by a head wrap zombie and stalked. Or shot and killed by an inspector who's out for, for blood, apparently. Charles Bronson. And, and won't he'll shoot first and then ask questions later. If this was Charles Bronson, we'd have a much more sensitive detective who would take George's and Edna's side. Oh, he would have investigated. And he would have had the radiation shut down. We all need a Charles Bronson zombie film. Why didn't that happen? <laughs> um, guys, that brings us to the overall, <laughs> overall DFM rating. I haven't even had that much beard. I, I was going to say, I don't even have that much beard. <laughs> I don't. Jeez. Carrie, help me with the overall rating. Duh, the, it's four oh. out of five, right? <laughs> yes, it's four out of five for both. Yeah, com- combined with both of us. Yes. We really enjoy this movie. Um, we enjoyed it the first time we watched it. We enjoyed it the second time that we rewatched it. We definitely did pick up on more things the second time around. I noticed. Because the first time you're just like, wait, what? What's going on? And then there's this little hint and they focus so much on our main leading guy, George, yeah, and his store. They focus on his store so much in the beginning. And the purpose of this movie for him, he's going out to the countryside to meet with a buyer for this statue and this other, I think, candlestick. She does <laughs> Manchester Candlesticks by George. I mean, he owns an antique shop, or he runs the antique shop, one of the two. If he doesn't run it, he's the main manager because he closed it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it all comes down to fate. Yeah. If if she doesn't hit his bike, he, he doesn't go with her yeah. and doesn't get wrapped up in this. She does, but he doesn't. Oh, I have a feeling based on the ending, George, spoilers, Gets our inspector at the end at the old Al Hotel, which I love that setting, by the way. Message for you. It sounded like uh, Creature was trying to get a reservation there anyways. Um, oh, wait a second. We've got the male wolf carry. Okay. Oh, let's listen to what Jake, the midnight traveler, has to say. And Jake, thank you for introducing us to the living dead at the Manchester morgue because... This one's skyrocketing for us in terms of zombie films. Case and carry. I wish the dead could come back to life, you bastard. So then I could kill you again. Now that's a hell of a way to start a letter, right? How are you, my buds from the bloodbaths? This is Jake, the Midnight Traveler, writing to you about another stone-cold, stone-dead, or perhaps undead classic. Now... Terms about movies are thrown around liberally when it comes to quality. One of them is underrated, or as I like to call it, a lost classic. Now, one can't speak for good taste, but there are a few films out there that more than deserve this mantle. And the one that we are covering this week, without question, is one of those very films. Yes, We are here to talk about the classic Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, or as it was titled when I first saw it, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. 
But Jake, how could you have heard of this if it's so lost? Well, for this one, I owe it to a friend and former radio co-host and some very brutal grindcore. My college years were awash in cinematic blood. I was on a rampage when it came to horror films and how many I could see. So by this time in about ooh, 2005, I was a full-on horror maniac with a pretty varied taste and knowledge of various subgenres and a keen eye for quality, if I do say so myself. I knew that Europe really doubled down the Living Dead stuff in the aftermath of George Romero, but that also meant that a lot of people cut corners over there as well. Still, I dug Argento and Fulci and saw a little Matai, so I was more than aware of foreign zombies, but it was one late night in the bowels of Davis Hall where I was hosting Smash Alley, the best metal radio show on the entire IUP campus. With me that night was Kayvon, a mighty man who introduced me to the very best extreme heavy metal had to offer. One night, he put on this dark, moody track, Breakfast at the Manchester Morgue, from Impetigo, one of the first bands to actually use sound clips from horror movies in their works. With vocals that sounded like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget and riffs from Hell Itself, it started with an audio clip from what I assumed was a horror film. Kayvon told me that it was from a film that took him years to track down called Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, and he had it in his dorm. Challenge accepted. A few nights later, and I'm in the super suite. Back then, in Wallace and Esh Halls, there were these suites of rooms where about half a dozen or so people lived with a kitchen, bathrooms, and a common area. Kayvon and a few of my other friends were in the one in Esh, and being the cool people that they were, turned an entire closet into essentially a film library big enough for you to stand in. It was a Saturday night, and my girlfriend was an RA and on duty that night, so I had our room all to myself. So I took this classic along with Heather's and made myself a killer double feature. Any concerns about schlock and stock footage and just overall cheap cheesiness was wiped away pretty damn quick when this one got started. You could tell that these guys had a great budget and you could see it on screen. The camera work and the cinematography were spot on and I could only wonder what Romero would have been able to do with these toys. Without giving away too much of the plot, this is your classic city boy goes to the country and gets mixed up with radiation rays, the obvious living dead, and the biggest asshole cop I think I've ever seen. For real, it's beyond caricatured how much this guy hates hippies and fags and anyone and anything with long hair. He is arguably a bigger threat to the protagonist than the zombies themselves. Does he overshadow the zombies, though? Not one bit. The effects here are so good for 1974. Once again, 
you can see that this production had some money to throw around. The plot also doesn't get in the way of the story. There's a little subplot involving the female lead sister, but it's only there to get her out to the country and into danger once the ghouls come marching. Lastly, the whole angle of the radiation being the cause of it, to fight off insects and help the farmers, that is, is a legit plausible reason for this madness. Yeah, it's still a little bit of a stretch, but it's better than some of the other plot devices out there. The scene in the crypt where the group realizes what is exactly going on, this plot point being where Impedigo got the speech from, is chilling, and it leads to a truly epic showdown at the morgue with bodies and bullets flying everywhere with bloody kills galore. Whether it's sleeping corpses or it's at the Manchester morgue, this is still a great film and a must-see for anyone interested in zombies. This ranks up there with Romero for sure and might be the best piece of Euro zombie horror that I've ever seen. Bold statement? Perhaps. Still, see this for yourself and make up your own mind. Before something eats it, that is. As for me, I think I will wrap this up right here. Gonna head out to the country and hope some crazed monster doesn't try to kill me for having long hair. Is that still a thing in Texas? I sure hope not. See you next midnight. Jake. Ah, Jake. (sighs) You make a really good case. Um, and, And if we didn't already, you guys listen to what Jake has to say because... This is an extremely well done zombie well thought film. Out. Well thought out. Great effects. Okay. Oh, okay, boy. All right, settle down. Um, okay, I know. It, okay, it's time for social shout outs. Um, really to our mutant fam this week, Carrie. Fresh coming off the Joe Bob event. Yeah. Brian, Emily, and Amanda for taking the time to talk <laughs> Halloween 3 with us at the Rebel Hill Brewing. Uh, you know, again, guys, if you yeah. listen to us last week, we went to the Colonial to see Call to the Rockstar Night. Um, we were sitting across trolling. We were at the Rebel Hill Brewery <laughs> trolling Joe Bob on Twitter on Darcy's behalf, I guess. Um, and that's when Darcy actually started following us on Twitter. That was because, awesome. Because we were like, we were surveying these three people sitting at the poor Brian, Emily, and Amanda. Like, we're, we're like- sitting there enjoying their drinks. And they, you guys, Brian, Emily, and Amanda, you were so nice get, giving us, you know, five or 10 minutes of your time. Yeah. And while well, you guys were still drinking and yeah, enjoying we interrupted your, food. your drinks. We appreciate you guys giving us a hot minute to talk with us. And, um, and, and of course, Darcy followed us, which we geeked out. Movie Matt, um, you were one of the first mutants that we met. You were the first mutants that we, one of the first, no, the first mutant that we met inside the colonial. And thank you for kind of pointing us around and showing us where things were at. Yeah. Showing us the lay of the land. Um, Matt, I uh, hope to get to know you a little bit more. I'd, I'd love to to talk and connect. Um, we've been kind of trading info on our dogs. Uh, he's got his dog Ripley and we've got Pumpkin. Which I love. I, I, love, I, lo- I love, love the that. name. Matt, just FYI, if you happen to be listening, we almost named our wiener dog Ripley. Yes. And I, I kind of wish we would have named her Ripley. Um <laughs> So lastly, Carol and Mike, Reading, Pennsylvania, um, for talking horror hosts with us while we waited to get autographs. Um, <clears throat> in closing, guys, thank you for listening to us talk about the living dead. 
at the Manchester Morgue. Oh, we can't forget Amanda who took our pictures. Oh. Yeah, she had the awesome Evil Dead. Oh, yeah, and shirt. she commented about, yeah. oh, thank you for sending me straight. Yeah, we we can't forget all, all the mutant fam that we met or just nodded at. Um, just know that we are scheming like Mr. Burns in The Simpsons. Excellent. We're scheming to get to Vegas for the Joe Bob Jamboree. I'm going to get there come hell and high water. Oh, I mean, me and Carrie are going to get there come hell and high water. <laughs> She's looking at me and better fucking leave me here alone with the kids. Um, again, thank you, Carl Casey, White Bat Audio, for your track, Alone in the Dark. Friendly reminder, guys, to take RSS to any of your favorite listening platforms. If you'd like to support us, you can donate a little as a dollar on our Patreon page. Um, via Patreon, guys, we can create an entire episode around a movie you want us to review. Leave a review. That'd be really helpful. Really appreciate everybody who's been listening in. Um, and the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about our experience at Call to the Rockstar Night and some October plans. Maybe Carrie for the drive-in jamboree. We're still flushing stuff out. Yeah. And again, guys, next week we're going to talk about Predator um, and how Carrie is going to give me a mud mask of some ridiculous scent, I'm sure. And there will be pictures. There will be evidence that I let her give me a mud mask. Love you guys. Time for an intermission. I hope everybody enjoys those neat little intermission ads that we put out there. There's some of them when we're filtering through. We're like, like, no, like, nope, nope, can't play that one anymore. That's not appropriate. Can't do that. Um, But yeah, love you guys. See you for segment two, where we talk about our experience at Call to the Rockstar Night and a little bit about the drive-in jamboree. Peace out. Ciao. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chubba Bubba's Drive-In. Friendly reminder to download the Chubba Bubba app to get a Hubba Bubba discount every time you visit the concession stand. If you're downloading for the first time, just remember we've got a no smartphone policy once the previews start playing. As Chubba Bubba always says, don't be a jerk, ace the phone. Now that we've got that settled, don't forget about our drive-in favorite, our baby girl chocolate wafers, Chubba Bubba's very own homemade little chocolate treats with a sprinkle of tooth decaying vanilla crunchy dot goodness all over. It's a treat not even your dentist can deny you. Goes great with coffee or double down and get yourself a slushie. You can't go wrong at Chubba Bubba's Sugar Shack concession stand, but sugar isn't the only game in town. We've got plenty of sodium and fat to get your heart racing to the concession line. Our exploitation nachos are sure to go well with with your next favorite cannibal or slasher gore fest. Now the show is over and it's time to say goodbye. What do all members of the Chubba Bubba family say? Careful with the speaker, Jack. Watch the wire and don't be an ass. Avoid being a Chubba Bubba jackass and don't forget to tuck away the speaker when you leave for the night. And one last thing, no hanky-panky. All extreme gore and violence will be shared in the comfort of Chubba Bubba's family atmosphere. Okay, guys, we are back for Horror Etc., where we are going to talk a little bit about our experience going to see Joe Bob and Darcy. Darcy was a big surprise for us too, by the yeah. way. We weren't sure she was we going to be sure. there until the last minute. Um, and we actually didn't find out. Let me finish my thought first <laughs> before we talk about Darcy. Um, at Call to the Rockstar Night at the Colonial Theater, where the original Blob was filmed, guys. Um they have a blob fest there every night or not every night, every, every year they have a blob fest. Um, 
and they showed, and I think we talked about this in, in the previous episode, um, a double feature. Um, and right now, as you're listening, Pumpkin is deciding to go hame and starting to destroy the blankets and sofa yet again. So anyways, yeah, Joe, Bob, and Darcy, they um, were, in my opinion, a little more quiet on social media leading up to the event, which had us a little bit nervous like a week, week and a half out. Really, Especially like, since he wasn't feeling good before. Yeah, I mean, I saw, you know, rumblings about his voice or whatever. You know, it was just like, oh, please, Joe, Bob, I hope you're okay. And I really want to meet you and I really want to see two great movies hosted by you. Um, and... Carrie, you know, lead the way here. You know, we talked a little bit in our social shout outs um, in segment one, you know, all the great, you know, people in the mutant family that we've met. My overall feeling about this event is that this might be the warmest, most fun event I've ever been to. It ranks right up there with going to see Fleetwood Mac. I was just going to say that I, I'm, I'm right on board with you. And in that Fleetwood Mac concert was the legendary Baltimore concert. Yeah. So that, that's a really high ranking for us. Um, experience wise. Um, it was just a great experience and getting to meet everybody that we met and everybody that we talked to and everybody that we were communicating with, we only have John Brennan, Yuki, and Ernie to meet now. <laughs> you know, our do- our daughter, Ghostly Puppers, wants to meet Ernie. Yes. She wants him as a pet. She, she wants to pet Ernie. Oh, a pumpkin would eat Ernie as she's eating the pillows right now. Um, yeah, I mean, Carrie, the... Um, oh, pumpkin, come on, give it a rest, dog. She's looking pissed because you didn't go on the walk with her earlier, Carrie. You want to say why I didn't go on the walk earlier? Listen, do I have to toe the line of the second segment? Did you get the pun? Fuck you. Oh, I guess she didn't appreciate the pun. The dog is just, ah, she's going ballistic. I will die if she jumps on your back trying to retrieve the pillow. I think at this point, Carrie, you're going to have to grab that other pillow over there or she's going to utterly destroy it. I swear to you, if she starts gnawing on that sound panel... Oh, dog, you're going you're gonna to be put in your sister's room if you don't behave. <laughs> Do you need to pick her up? I did, and I did not satisfy her. Okay. Now what is she doing? Stealing my pillow. <laughs> so before we get way off track with, with pumpkin, the, the pumpkin reckoning. I believe that I broke my toe climbing over our baby gate to put our children to bed. And no, we don't have babies anymore. They're nine years old, but the gate is for little Missy over here <laughs> yes. who's behaving, who will run amok. You know what? She's good like 85, 90% of the time. She loves we'll, she loves to go into our son's room and he that's his safe space. Well, um, he doesn't like her jumping on him though. Yes. But um, no, I mean... We'll, we'll be sitting on the couch prepping this episode guide and she's like, great as great can be. I swear to you, she knows the minute we start deciding to record, it's like, fuck you guys. You're not giving me any attention. Watch this shit right here. I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, Carrie, you had some really good thoughts. You know, you were reminiscing about yeah. last week. Um, tell me about your thoughts. I, I was really interested to know, cause we didn't even really talk about this. Like talk about the theater itself. Oh, the theater was beautiful. I mean, it's an older theater naturally, but the ornate details inside the theater, the way that it's set up, there's balconies. Um, you can just tell that there's a lot of love that goes into this theater and what they've done in the movies that they've shown and you know all the staff there were so nice i am very intrigued by going there and seeing like an exploitation movie or even like they're going to be showing big trouble in little china what in a week and a half May or something 20th, yeah i know we're not going to be able to go but no i wish but oh can you imagine seeing big trouble in little china or old time theater like that oh, yeah. I, i'm very intrigued about sitting in the front part of a balcony and seeing a movie oh, that would be an interesting i've never done something like that before not on a balcony i mean it's made for shows yeah and bands and whatever in theater but... and i know that there's local theater groups that put on shows there yeah so but can you imagine sitting there watching a movie from the top of the balcony that would be a really interesting feeling for me looking down at a screen yeah. like i know you do at a stadium seating like multiplex or whatever but not from a theater balcony no so anyways talk about like you know what i wish we would have done we bought the, all this the, joe bob the merch sh- the chandeliers <laughs> okay. alone where i was like they have chandeliers were like, you looking for the phantom of the colonial carry? i was i was like <laughs> i knew it Please have a phantom. Please have a phantom. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. No, we love the Colonial. Um, I'm a little mad we didn't buy some Colonial merch. I wanted to get... They had a lot of cute stuff. And I think the next time we go... Was it cute for you? You know, they have... um, blob fest a lot of blob fest stuff they well, had a, about, i have my eye on a coffee mug I, I wish we would have talked to the gentleman there that was with his daughter a little bit more yes to find out because he's been they to were a from lot new york events. yeah where um he talked about the blob fest where they actually and he's all, originally from butler yeah he will yeah near where i grew up yeah um pennsylvania and they do the blob fest and they actually will all run out of the theater the colonial like they do in the original blob with steve mcqueen and I thought that would be really cool to do something like that. Um, shout out to the staff who from like minute, oop, hit the mic. From minute zero, were like super nice the moment we walked in the door. Were telling us where to go. Um, and by the way, you can get wine and beer. Sly Fox And beer, coffee. And coffee. I was so tempted to get Sly Popcorn. Fox Popcorn. Yeah. I mean, I loved that this was an all-time theater. And they could have gone the route of like, no, we've got to protect the integrity and the quality of the theater. We don't want any spillage or whatever. No, it was like the opposite. It's like, hey, guys, we've got like a half a dozen, a dozen, <laughs> a dove, a turtle dove. Um, we've got a half a cheese, half a dozen staff there like waiting on you. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be the best theater concession that I've seen in my I life. Know. And I mean, we need to get out more and go to more old time theaters. And can I, I, I just admit say that, the coffee was really good. It was really good. It, it was really good, but my adrenaline was rushing and I was so like nervous for meeting Joe, Bob and Darcy. Like I was sweating like a madman the entire night. I was shaking. It wasn't until it was after unreal. we took a picture with them that we stopped shaking like a couple of idiots. <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, can you, like, I even caught myself at one point talking to Joe Bob about part twos. I'm like, Case, you need to slow down. You're throwing too many things at him at once. I'm like, just quit acting like such a fanboy. But I'm like, it was hard not to be. Yeah. It was hard not to be. I I mean, it was. (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure I was cringy. (laughs) No, I, I think we were just. We were we ourselves. Were just, we were just the right amount of cringe. We were ourselves. Just slight cringe. There was a little cringiness there. Um, but let's talk about... What was um, your favorite part? You mean just oh, uh, all yeah. the dynamics of every single yes. part of the night? So I have... I've got three of Go my... Go ahead. Fa- There's too many to I know, count because I, I love them all. Go but ahead. I did like before that we actually walked over there, we were sitting at the brewery. Uh, Rebel Hill Brewing, you've got some awesome beer. Shout awesome. out to your Kolsch. And shout out to the ESB, the bitter, the English pub ale. Best bitter. I And I don't, you don't get to have a bitter or a Kolsch. And their wings were good. You their, fish their fish was good. Yep. Um, and then just interacting um, with some of the mutants before we went inside. Um, it, it definitely like... There, and then there's two more that I'm going to get to. And and these are all bonus thoughts because we, we, we did the social shout outs in the earlier um, segment. This is all just bonus thoughts. But um, it was great talking with people in line. A thousand percent getting to know some mutants. Uh, I'm really wanting to go to the Jamboree to meet even more people. Um, hang out with some people for the entire weekend. And we were highly encouraged to go to the Jamboree. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even Joe Bob, since I was trolling him with the Halloween three and talking about it with him and Darcy told us about her, uh, Jericho podcast where they talked about three equals. He's like, you guys would have loved the, the jamboree we did last year. <coughs> Hell yeah, we would have. Um, but honestly I could watch Joe Bob talk about any movie. Yeah. Um, so obviously meeting and talking extensively with Joe Bob and Darcy, their generosity and warmth. It's like, this is a pretty long line of people here. And they spent 95% of the night with two or three different sets of lines of people to make sure everybody got like, not just like, Hey, Oh, hi, nice to meet you. That's great. What do you want me to sign? Let's take a picture. Boom. I was like, no, you got to talk about what your favorite things were. He dished on your favorite yeah. things. And I, I've never done a meet and greet with a celebrity before. So this was my first experience pretty much ever. So, I mean, the fact that I thought, okay, we might get five minutes, you know, max. But we got a, at least a good 10 to 12 minutes. Um, it's my turn. You carry, okay. you, you carry this on while I All deal right. with the pumpkinator over there. Oh, see, she knows that she she's knows. being, you're being bad. You're well, acting bad. She's like, I want your attention. Yeah, not going to happen. Okay, carry the torch. Carry. Okay. So part of my favorite experience also was meeting Joe, Bob, and Darcy. And as well, meeting everybody, all the mutants that we met, talking to them. Um I just can't get over how nice and warm everybody was, including the colonial staff. I mean, I've never experienced something or an event like that where everybody was just 
so nice and friendly. And it was just a lot of just like getting, getting to know you (laughs) and a, a lot of just genuine people, genuine she is unruly, folks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, just it, it definitely made it such a good experience. And talking with Joe Bob and Darcy, I mean, yeah, t- let everybody know what we were talking to them about. So we, first of all, were talking about um, how you mentioned how you grew up watching Monster Vision. And I wanted to mention that too, but I got kind of like nervous and I forgot myself. <laughs> well, I know you had um, all these movies yeah. that you watch with your dad. Name some of those movies that you watched oh, on the, Monster all Vision. Oh, all the Conan movies. Yeah. Um, you didn't tell him that? I didn't. I Damn. forgot. I know. I was so nervous that I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I made sure to mention how our son who loves Joe Bob and how both our kids were actually really upset that we didn't take them with us. And and they could have seen both movies. We had no issues with the movies at all, but it was more about the time frame. They wouldn't have been able to stay up that late and function the next day. No um, way in hell. No way. They would have fallen asleep. Um, but our, our, our son... He, especially him, he enjoys Joe Bob's voice. Um, it calms him down. And, and our son, um, he's neurodivergent and special needs. So for to find something that calms him down, especially at night, is a huge thing for us. A huge thing. And Joe Bob's reaction whenever I shared that, he was just, you could tell he was kind of like, yeah, I think out of everything that we talked to him about, whether it be like I was talking about part twos, um, Darcy was talking about threequels. When you started, um, you know, he was genuinely interested in what you had to say and was asking you questions yeah. about his neurodivergency. Yeah. Um, he lit up and he was like, it's nice to hear that, you know, kids are enjoying it for like legitimate reasons. Yeah. You know, and that he, he's got a, like real reasons why it calms him down. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> telling him like most kids will go to bed, you know, early. It was like, no, in, you know, Hey, let's watch a Joe Bob episode to settle him down. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've just got to say, and then number three. And, and he says, he's like, do you want me to autograph something <coughs> for the kids? For yeah. The that kids. was his idea. Yeah. Um, and really the. The other thing that I want to mention that's my number three thing, it, it's really just got to be his drive in totals for Bubba Hotep um, and his commentary uh, just in general, the different totals, the, you know, this foo and that foo and whatever foo and the energy that he brought, the entertainment that he brought. I mean, he is in a way, you know, that's, that's his persona, his character that he's bringing to that. And he gets you excited and revved up for yeah. the movie. Oh my God. And the and knowledge, about, the knowledge he has. Not a knowledge, well, not even just knowledge, but you hear him. It, the, he, he leads with, you know, be wary of information on the internet. He's, I've read, he's got the, like the biggest exploitation 
book, you know, library. Yeah. And so he's using books for his research, which are like, you know, quadruple checked or whatever. Um, (coughs) Pardon me. So, yeah, I those are my three things. Just Joe Joe Bob, the main reason why we're there, the (laughs) the surprise. So we were standing in line. This is my fourth bonus thing that I loved about this. And then we'll move on and talk about the drive in Jamboree. Um, We're standing in line talking with other mutants and then it's like we're sitting there you know we we knew that um we found out that darcy was there whenever we were tweeting about halloween three but then like all of a sudden you hear like a gasp and people are like darcy and i'm like oh my god she's tall yeah and then we ended up being the 10th people in line yeah. to, to meet them and get signatures or excuse, signatures. <laughs> Let me get your signature for this petition, Joe Bob Darcy. No, we, we were, you know, getting their autographs and buying some of their merch and stuff. And, um, you know, Joe Bob walks out a couple minutes after that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're an Amazon Joe yeah. Bob. So tall. So tall. You know what I noticed? He's got the stubble going on. And and we're not short people by any means. Darcy was saying he's trying to get the Don Johnson look, <laughs> trying to keep it. He had it on some of his earlier shows. Yeah. He would have the have the shadow. So is it, are you bringing back the shadow, Joe Bob? Um, but anyways, yeah, my God. And in our picture with them, we look like a couple of dwarfs next and to them. And we're not short. Mm, we're average. We're average, but we're, we're average. not short. Yeah. So anyways, guys, we are going to move on to talk about... Oh, we can't move on just yet. Oh, excuse me. We have to mention, we, <coughs> being that we got in line first to meet Joe, Bob, and Darcy, we were afraid we weren't going to get a good seat. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, thank you for mentioning this. Yeah. We ended up being able, right in front row, sitting right in front of the podium where Joe, Bob was talking. I mean, it can't get any better than that. Yeah, I mean, you took a picture of him. We've got, we went to the, I told you this week I was bothering you while you were working. I'm like, call the, I'm like, that's CVS, right? Where's that place where you got the photos made? So we got a photo printout of Joe Bob at his podium that we're going to hang up and frame. And of course, the the picture that we have with them. But um, yeah, I mean, we really liked that. I thought, oh, uh, we were the first to meet him. There's going to be people that just go straight into the theater you know, mutant experts that this is like their fourth time meeting him or something. We go there. I'm like, are there anybody sitting in the front row? Like I get it. Maybe you don't see the screen as well, but yeah. I thought I saw, we saw the screen just fine. Yeah. I mean, and there I'm was like, four seats right up front. I'm going to sit here and be 10 feet away from Joe Bob the entire night. Hell yeah. yeah. I'm going to sit here. Um, so I was like really surprised. Nobody took advantage of that. There was like a good four to six seats around us that people could have sat in. And I, I do wonder if it's because the screen that they wanted a good seat at the screen. I mean, I do, but I was willing to sacrifice a little bit of that screen so we could sit I, right in front of I Joe Bob. I still had a great time it's, watching. It, it made it feel like he was talking directly at us. I mean, I know he wasn't. He's talking yeah. to engaging everybody, but it was just like, yeah, we get a night with Joe Bob. And it felt even like super intimate with <laughs> him did. being right there, right in front of us. <laughs> like, this is cool. Um, and then we had the Q&A and we were going to ask a question, but we just felt at that time that you know, we just wanted to just sit back and relax. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I was geeking too much out of Twitter. I used all my energy on Twitter with Darcy beforehand. Um, so anyways, guys, uh, let's talk about 
Joe Bob's Drive-In Jamboree. So on his podcast with Darcy, the Geek Talk podcast, um, she interviewed him. He was talking a little bit about the Jamboree from last year where they talked about Halloween 3. Um, but this year, guys, he is, the rumors were true, he is going to um, uh, Las Vegas, North Las Vegas, actually. Um, and that is going to be at the West Wind Drive-In where there are six screens. Huge screens, from what I understand. Huge screens. Bigger than the ones we have here in Pennsylvania anyways. Um, wow, Pumpkin is being just terrible right now. She's sick of being down here in yes. the DFM vault. She's ready to break she out. She wants to snuggle. She's ready to break out and kill those zombies at the Manchester morgue. Um, she's like, you can't fool me with your cerebellum smart-ass Manchester morgue zombies. Um, she stole my pillow again. She's a little thief. So, guys, real quick, and then we're going to wrap this up. Las Vegas, West Wind Drive-In. If you haven't listened to their Geek Talk podcast already, six screens, October 6th to the 8th, which is our 16th wedding anniversary, Carrie. Uh, to the day. To the day on the 7th, right? Or no, on the 6th. My bad on the 6th. You know what I meant. Oops. 10607. How can you forget? Oh, shit. <laughs> Just when I think I'm good, I'm in the doghouse now. That's what I meant to say. I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull our son. He's always saying, "That's what I meant to say." That's what I. Uh, I did do that. He's always like Mr. After the fact. <laughs> That's Zombie Toots, by the way. That's his podcast moniker. Um, yeah, Las Vegas, October sixth to the eighth, West Wind Drive-In. Uh, tickets should be going on sale anytime, probably in the next week, week and a half, according to the site. Um, they're no longer doing the VIP, excuse me, VIP tickets. They're going to be doing add-ons. Yeah. One of those add-ons is Joe Bob doing like a tour for people I of Vegas. totally want to do that. You want to do the tour? Well, we got to find out what all the different add-ons yeah. are. There might be something else that you're, you geek I out know. over. Um, I, I've heard from other people that went to the Memphis one last year and, um, you know, that you're at, in that scenario, you know, you're going to pay a little bit more for a VIP ticket, but they apparently are going to do away with that. I'm really interested to see, Carrie, what films they're going to show on six screens for like three days, basically. Um, I wonder if Halloween 3 is going to get another rerun just because Darcy wants to keep pummeling with Halloween 3. But um, I'll tell you, there is a couple of movies that I've always wanted him to uh, talk about. I would love for him to even not even just do some horror. Like I would like to see him do something like a Charles Bronson movie. Can we have Big Trouble in Little China? Oh, I, please. I I don't know how the rights to the movies work at stuff like this. Yeah. Um, but can you imagine him having like Kurt Russell and John Carpenter? That that's super high on my what Joe Bob and those two. And we talked about that in the last episode, our extended discussion with Jake. Um. The other, yeah, Charles Bronson, like 10 to Midnight or The Mechanic. I would love for him to, to do that. Psycho. An Hitch, a Hitchcock movie? Wow, yeah. that would be something. Can you imagine bringing in Jamie Lee Curtis to talk with him about, 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 about her? her? Yeah, yeah, that would be something. Like, I wonder if he's going to do some old monster movies, like a, like a kaiju movie would, like um, Godzilla or something like that. I almost said Caillou. <laughs> Remember our kids watching Caillou? Oh, my God. 
Carrie, any other thoughts now that we've gone from the driving jamboree to, to Caillou? Um, wow. We live too much of Caillou. Um, if anybody knows the kids show Caillou, good grief. <laughs> when uh, your kid gets out of that phase. When you nicknamed your kid Caillou for a while. <laughs> Carrie, any other films you're thinking of for the drive-in jamboree? I really would like a vampire movie. He doesn't do a lot of vampire mm-hmm. movies like I could. Ooh, can you imagine him doing Near Dark? Oh, that would be a Catholic, good one. Uh, have him bring up Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Um, have him bring out, um, you know, R.I.P. Bill Paxton. Did is Lance Hendrickson? Is he still Lance alive? Lance Hendrickson. Um, we'll have to look that we'll up. We'll have to look that up. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know. him and alone and his role in you know Aliens. Oh my God, Lance Hendrickson! I I would love to meet Lance Hendrickson. Speaking He's up of, there can me. we have aliens? Oh my gosh, can I? Yeah, again, I mean, there's so many that you could list. I mean, I could easily name a thousand that we, I want to hear Joe Bob I mean, talk about. Bring out the guests. Do a hammer. A hammer film with Joe Bob yeah. that would be a good one to do. So, anyways, guys, we're gonna wrap up horror, etc. And uh, again, next week, I'm gonna be wearing a mud mask. Apparently. Carrie's going to punish me with a mud mask. No, you'll thank me later. Wait, what? <laughs> um, and where we're going to talk about Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Jesse Ventura and company. Predator. I really someday will talk about Danny Glover and Gary Busey and Predator too, because it's, it's a different type of Predator. <laughs> yes, it is. We love you. And we're so happy to meet some of you mutants this past week. Thank you for hanging out with us. Yeah, letting us geek out with you a little bit. Talk to you later, guys. Take it easy. Good night.